0: Please remain standing and hear um, our scripture reading, sermon passage for this morning. It comes from Isaiah 61. It will be all 11 verses, starting in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the the year of the Lord's favor, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lots. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the word of our Lord. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, would you be with us as we hear um, this text taught? Lord, um, if nothing else, would you help us to fall more and more in love with you, thanking you for the son that you sent us. Um, As a savior of the world, we pray that our hearts would grow closer to you as uh, we hear this word being taught today, I pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. So it's around Christmas time, and um, in my family, growing up, that meant that for some reason, that babushka dolls came out. You know, the little dolls, the little, we, you, you would also hear them called like Russian dolls, where there would be multiple dolls coming out of this one larger one. And so I want you to have that image in your mind uh, as you hear this text being taught and as you reread it during the week, uh, this idea that out of one thing come several other things But I want you to think of it a little bit differently because in a babushka doll, you see the the things that come out of the larger doll end up getting smaller and smaller. And so if there's a way of thinking of a reverse babushka doll, where the more you open it up, the bigger it gets and the better it gets. Uh, that's what I want you to have in mind, it, as though there were bigger and better dolls that came out of it and things that, that show just how much greater and greater the promises of God are. The reason I, I say this is that Isaiah 61 is such a beautiful piece of prophecy uh, that our Lord gave us. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with it, but this is also what Jesus quotes in the synagogue, uh, in Luke chapter four, um, at the beginning, really of his public ministry, that he quotes this, saying that this is about himself, and so we get this. We we have this hopefulness, and many people uh, during this time would have known that this was a prophecy about the Messiah, and so Jesus is telling the people that he is the Messiah, actually in his hometown. But the promises are even more lavish than that. God's love towards us is is so lavish that it requires our whole world to be changed, right? The world has been changed because of what God has done by sending his son, by saving the world, but then also doing so much more. And so as we read this, I want you to think of the three things that we're going to look at today, which is that... The, the lavish love of God changes our attitudes, so our internal way of relating to the world. It, it changes our external impact, so the way that we interact with other people, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our relatives. And then there is also a missional impact. The way that God is at work in the entire world is changed by way of him sending his son by way of the Messiah coming. And so let's dig into this passage uh, to hear, particularly the first one is the attitudes or the inward impacts of this lavishing love. And this is going to be found in the first uh, four verses of this passage, right? That the spirit of the Lord, this is from verse one, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me uh, to bring good news to the poor. That is incredible because of the fact that God is saying that he is primarily going to be giving the good news to those who are needy, to the poor, and that he will do something that no one else can do. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. This is clearly only something that God can do, that can be supernaturally done, is that the brokenhearted can be bound up, that their hearts can be fixed. That's one of the amazing things that I share with students at UTSA and at Northwest Vista is that one of the things that you cannot receive anywhere else is through the love of Christ that he can actually put your heart back together. Or thinking of Ezekiel, that he can take a heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. That God actually has this opportunity, that Jesus has done this, that he has bound up the brokenhearted, and then that he casts open the prison to those who are bound, that he frees slaves, that he frees those who are once enslaved to sin, that are bound by the things of this world. That is good news in and of himself. And then Jesus continues to quote, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor right? But then there is so much more that is here for us to dig into. Verse three, that he grants to those who mourn in Zion to give them beautiful headdresses instead of ashes. The common practice in those days and in a lot of the Middle East is when you are mourning to put ashes on yourself, to to robe yourself in black, right? That the Lord actually has this ability to give a beautiful headdress, to those who are mourning. To think of what Jesus says to put it forward into, uh, into Matthew chapter 5, right? That he comforts those. That he gives grace upon grace and, and really gives, gives them his love in their mourning. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. That there, that there is joy that will be upon them. And then in verse 4, that he is actually going to allow these people to return to these ruined cities with the motivation to clean and repair, right? And in, in this passage, in this context at this time, you had people that were enslaved, that were, in, that, that were occupied by other people, that they, that, that they were longing for the day when they could return to their homes. But it's so much better than they had imagined, right? They returned to their homes after their occupation, knowing that the Messiah had not come yet, knowing that things would not be as, as they longed for, but they are looking forward to the day where they can see those former devastations and they can, and they can repair them. This, is, this puts into question this theological term, the already and not yet. Um, I, I assume that a lot of you guys are familiar with this, but as redeemed people, we live in light of the truth that Jesus has redeemed us from sin and death. And yet, we remain in a world where sin and death are here. And we are in bodies where there is sin and, and the, the, the future of death as part of what we will experience. And so in that, we, we do not fully grasp and we cannot fully understand and experience what is being said here In Isaiah 61. And yet, what what is so beautiful and so amazing is those who have been captivated by the love of Jesus live as though things are better than they could have ever been before. That their life is so is is much more transformed and is much more lavish than it was before. I love these two examples. First, the the one of Paul. He has the thorn in his side, right? He has this thing that is, that is causing him to have a, a limp of sorts. And yet he continues in his letters. If, if you track it chronologically, the depth of his love to Jesus continues to grow, even though he struggles physically. And, and I love the story of Joni Erickson Tada, if you've ever heard of her. She, is, uh, she has been paralyzed for over 50 years. From the chest down because of, of an accident of diving into, uh, I believe it was a lake, and, and severing her spinal cord. And yet through that, she came to faith in Jesus, knowing that she would never walk again. And I love the story that she tells that there were many people that would come up to her as faith healers and people that, that would just say, Joni, you are going to walk. You, you, you will have a day when you don't have to deal with this pain and this Uh, This disability, this paralysis, Um, and she has constantly pushed pushed people that, that come to her like that and tell her, my life is so much better knowing Jesus and not having been saved from this physical ailment. The physical things for her aren't the hope that she has. Her hope is in her heart being put back together is the fact that that God has done something so much better than she can imagine, and she does not have the ability to do things with her physical body yet, but she longs for the day when it will be put back together, knowing that that these promises are for a a much, much further day ahead when Christ returns. That has so much more hope uh, for her than the ability to even take one step right now. And so may we remember this is what God's work is, that it's far beyond our capacity to do anything. That God must supernaturally work in the hearts of those who are here, the hearts of our friends and family, many of whom are are far off. He is the one who does this work. We are simply left to praise him and simply left to beg of, of him. To, to continue to do that work. No one has the ability to even give a garment of praise to someone who is brokenhearted. And honestly, for, for many of us, it's just, it, it's not necessary for us to do that. I find myself often, I, I want to be a very positive person. I want to be uh, a person who is happy most of the time. And I have to hold myself back from always trying to help people see the bright side of things or the happy side of things because oftentimes life is just sad and it's difficult and we just need to sit in that sadness knowing that that Christ is the one who truly brings joy for those who are struggling. Critics of this would say that there's something that, happen, that must happen externally, that God has to do some kind of healing, some kind of magical thing in order for us to, to really know that he is present. And we can say, but he has. He brought Jesus. Jesus is the one who was long promised for. When we read the, the scriptures, this lavish love was embodied in the person of Jesus. And so we have his word to, to lean upon, to continue to dig in, to understand that he has set us free from sin and death and the power um, to to, to take us away from the things that, that we would cherish. And his impact on the world continues to stretch around the world. The hearts of God's people are something that just continue to need to be plums. We must bask in the beauty of God's work. And it doesn't end here. Uh, because this passage isn't just about finding Jesus and hearing his words and, and hearing this quoted here, because Isaiah 61 actually motivates us to see the beauty beyond what we may even see here, that there are actually external impacts that God's people have. And so the clothing or the, out, the outward impact of lavishing are the second point here this morning. So the people of God, although varied and have We we all look very different, right? We come from different families. We come from different types of people. Um, We are designated, and we are seen as united. God's people, um, even though we may dress differently, even though we might look differently, um, are seen as united through a couple of different things. I love in Acts chapter 11, the church of Antioch is called Christian because that's the only way that the people in that city could, could identify them. They were so united in how they spoke, and, and they used that term as, as, as kind of a mean way of talking about them, that they're little Christs, that they're just like their, their Savior, Jesus Christ. I love in Mark chapter 5, a man is ravaged by demons and healed, and in verse 15 it says, And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind. There was an external change that happened. But this little detail just shows that redemption sometimes actually means more than just an internal change that happens in a person's life. That there is something external that has changed in them. And the reason I say this and why it's important, because it it shows us so clearly that Christianity is not just this religion between me and Jesus, but it's something that we do together. Our faith in Christ is something that we can join in together, is something that we can uh, participate in together, that we can actually visibly see as Christians. Verse 6 says it this way, you shall be called priests of the lord you shall be called ministers i love this and this is just one of the things that i could that we could pick out of this passage there's many many more that you could you could talk about about the identity of god's people being changed but the identity of his people is that they are priests of the lord and shall be called ministers this is a promise that is fulfilled from exodus chapter 19 not sure if you're familiar with this, but this is after the people are led out of Egypt. After the, like, as they are on their way, they are about to receive the law from God. And and in verses four through six, it says this, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Did you hear it? A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I love God's affirmation of this promise that his people are this kingdom of priests, this nation, these people that are priests that are, that, that are to be a blessing and to, are to be a distributor of the good news of God. That they actually have this opportunity, this ability to bless the world. And that is anyone that believes in Jesus. That we are priests of our Lord. And the words here from Isaiah 61, that we are ministers. It isn't just something for myself or for Nathan to do. It is something for all of you who believe in Jesus. to Have the opportunity to share his good news. Our identity has changed. There's some other words that are used uh, in the Bible, that we are uh, ambassadors of the gospel of grace, that we are those who have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. I love, I love this picture of that uh, exact thing. Um, I have the opportunity of preaching in a lot of different congregations, and sometimes I'm taken really, really far away so when I was serving in, uh, with RUF at the University of Central Florida uh, in Orlando, Florida, I had the opportunity to be about as far as you can be uh, inside the U.S. and preach at a church, which was in Kenai, Alaska, uh, which is very, very far away. And um, I had the opportunity to, to preach at a church, and uh, during the lunch, there, there were some people that were praying, and there was this woman uh, who was native who, who ended up... Praying and and the love of God was just so evident and on on, off of this woman's lips, she loved God so much. She loved the people who were far from Him. And I asked uh, a friend who um, was a deacon of that church later. I said I said her her prayer was amazing. Can you tell me something about uh, this woman's life? And she had come to Christ through a member of the church, through sitting in a service, had literally heard the good news of the grace of Jesus, had never heard it before, became a Christian, and it was six weeks before I heard her pray this. Six weeks. And many of us think there's no way that I have the ability to share the gospel with someone because I just don't know enough. The love, the lavish love of Jesus can just come out of us in things like the way we pray in the way that we are interacting with people and, and she would be in this she, she worked at a hospital context and she would just talk with patients talk with people she worked with about Jesus all day because the love of Jesus was just so relevant to her she just loved him so much so may this embolden us particularly those who have walked with Jesus for years, for decades, to desire to want to share his news with others, Um, to long to to hear of people who are saved by grace and that they uh, would continue to have that on their lips. So whether you know it or not, if you are a Christian, God has changed you. You walk differently because of the impact of God's love. Um, And so Maybe an exercise to consider this afternoon. I'm going to do this. You can do it if you'd like. Is to consider the ways that you might live if you were not walking with God. How would your Sundays look differently? How would your work look differently? Your work with your job or the, the other functions that you have in your life. How would your family look and function differently? What would what would be the crown jewel of your family? What would be the most important thing in your family? How would you be, a, or what or who would you be an ambassador of if it weren't for Jesus? What would be the thing that you long for? And, and if you're not walking with Jesus, would you consider the ways that Jesus can be the most important thing and not something that is going to fail you Constantly. And is going to be frustrating. With an understanding of our identity and a reflection of our tendency away from God, would we be more warm toward our neighbors who don't identify with God? Those who struggle, Christian, you are a minister of the gospel, and by doing so, you cannot change anyone's heart. That is only something that God Can do. He is the one who binds up the brokenhearted. He is the one who frees the slave. May we be more warm toward those who do not identify with him. Would we point our friends, neighbors, even enemies to the King of Kings, knowing that He is the one who who is who who has the ability to change the brokenhearted? Isaiah sixty-one does not give us. Some idyllic picture of the world, as though everything were great and easy and it was comfortable to live in this world. And so may we be freed of this life of thinking that the world just needs to be a particular way in order to share His good news and just be willing to share it with others. The last thing I want to point out to you is the gospel impacts of lavishing. And this is taken really from the last four verses. I'm going to read them to you. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed." I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before the nations; these verses give us a picture of worldwide goodness. It's as though uh, God pushes us forward to the judgment day and shows us the goodness of His impact. That He will bring things together in His justice. That He is the good judge, and that we can trust in Him. That He will give us an everlasting covenant. And we hear this: the, the words "offspring." multiple times, knowing that it is not physical generations, but actually generations of Christians who believe in him, that he will, that he will marry them, that he will bring them into that marital relationship, and he will cause their lands to flourish. Listen very closely to, um, to verse uh, 10. The, the, this is the fullest expression of a, of, of a priest. And it's found in Jesus, in the bridegroom himself. So as a professional minister or as a minister of, of grace, as, as being a person who has been touched by grace, it is not all on us to lavish our love. God is the one, Christ is the one who changes his people's hearts, who is that perfect priestly role on our behalf. And that really gives us, incre- that, that, that takes all of the weight off of our shoulders, that we don't have to change people's hearts, that it is not all up to us, and it frees us just to point to Jesus as the one who does this. Here at the end, it says, before all nations, righteousness and praise will sprout for, them. what this says and what commentators say is that this is speaking not simply to Israelites, uh, in, the, in the term of people who are from the nation of Israel, but those whose hearts have been changed, those who are the, as you might say, the true Israelites, those who follow after God, the Christians in this world, that there is this difference that was spoken of, right? This distinction of those of us who are called by his name, but who believe, but might be from very different places of origin, the nation of christianity essentially the nation of christ are those who believe in this god and know that his saving power is the only thing that save us today we don't have nations who have particular different beliefs necessarily but what we're speaking of is that there are the nations out there who do not trust in god of people who do not trust in god and that the Christians are those who do trust in him. The gospel impact of his love is widespread. It has reached all sorts of people, and so let us remember that. And so the gospel lavishing is often hard in our context when even in our city we're seeing that churches are closing, and there are statistics that are saying that there are less and less Christians in America. I deal with those statistics all the time. Because that's a reality of students that go off to college that many of them do not return to their churches, do not go back to the church. And although, you know, we live in a country that doesn't see Sunday as sacred anymore, and many of us are struggling with the fact that our morals that we grew up in, grew up with, um, do not translate to our world today. We must not forget that God has not left us. That God remains at work. Today, more than any other day in America's life, we need to focus our attention on Christ alone. And not in some kind of idea of Christianization or to bring back Christendom, but that Christ would be lifted high. I mean, the Christian witness is growing in incredible ways despite persecution in places like Iran. I mean, even in places in the Northeast, In the northeast U.S., in New England, there is actually amazing growth that happens through immigrant communities. The gospel of of grace continues to go forward, and as, as Jesus says, the hell, the gates of hell cannot overcome. They cannot overcome the church. The gospel of grace is just too good. Jesus is just too good. And so how is God growing his people around the world, um, let us continue to pray and continue to learn and continue to know ways that he is raising up his church. How is God raising up people um, that may make some of us uncomfortable? There are ways that he converts his people through dreams, um, through visions of Jesus, through even uh, Muslim imams who come to faith in him. Um, would we just be open to the ways that, that God is at work um, and, and continue to, to just be amazed at the way that he lavishes his love? Which nations um, are hard for us to believe will even be part of the people of God? Who is it that, that you personally don't like, uh, you personally have trouble with? And is God even drawing someone here to go and proclaim the message of Jesus, even if it be in your neighborhood as, as a person who is an evangelist? Um, my hope is that there is someone here um, who, who might see it fit that they, that, that would be their call. Um, and so as we, as we close here, I just want us to go back to this idea of the babushka doll. Um, would our hearts and minds continue to see the expanded and, and just huge love of God in our daily lives? Um, would we be shaken by the ways that he is at work in our hearts that, that the scriptures continue to shape us, that we would worship the Lord in spirit, in spirit and in truth? And may our prayers be such that we would long to see those who we would deem far off, and God might even, at this present moment, that we would see them uh, and long for them to know the freeing love that is found in Jesus alone. Pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for our time together. Pray that you um, would be with us as we uh, go from here. Thank you for um, Thank you for coming um, and dying on our behalf. Thank you for being the good God who longs to um, to show love to your people. Lord, would we be patient? Would we know um, also that things are not as they will be? Um, Father, and you are making all things new. Thank you for our time together. I pray that you would guide and direct our hearts that we may follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.